there is this stirring and unerring truth that exists in memes that I think connects with uh, everyone universally because I think that is truly the peak internet. It's what it's being used for. People uh, collaborating to lambast like real awful things and turn it into stupid shit that you chuckle at and then go, oh, <laughs> but it's real. And welcome to the Better the Bookshelf podcast, episode 45. In this episode, we are talking about Craig Thompson's graphic novel, Blankets. I am Ryan. With me is my good buddy and fellow host, Jacob. Yes. Hello and welcome to the Better the Bookshelf podcast, our little book club, book cult, book something or other, episode 45. Episode two, I should say, into 2020. Yeah. Man, how about that episode last week? Great episode. So good. Yeah. I, enjoyed. I like those episodes where we just sort of let our hair down. We just get to, yeah, it's, you don't walk in really with a plan. There's no assigned reading. We just kind of free form it, go as we go. But we got to, we, we got to get back to the, we got to get back to the grind. We talked yep. a little bit about it last week, but this, this is, this is an interesting episode because I think you're, you know, you kind of talked about it a little bit that you're kind of going in a different route as far as mediums are concerned. And mm-hmm. this was just, we just immediately hopped right into it this year with uh, with a graphic novel. And I think that this is going to be a really interesting episode yes. because of that. Because yes. I think there's so much more to explore here. But it is going to be a pretty standard episode. I mean, we haven't changed all that much in the new year. So we're obviously going to tell you a little bit about Craig Thompson. I'm going to give you a brief summary. And then we're just going to get into it. Discuss the the meat of the book, things we like, dislike maybe. Uh, maybe we've got a couple questions for each other, and then, yeah. of course, we'll get to our still patented. We refreshed it for 2020. Yes. So you can't take it. Our still patented, trademarked, reserved uh, three-tier, four if we're getting rid of it, five if we're going to bury it in snow, uh, six if we're going to make a little like uh, raft in our bed and we'll feed it to the sharks. Mm-hmm. So, But Makes I sense. don't think we're going to get to that. And then, of course... We'll tell you what we have coming up on future, perhaps future episodes. I yeah episode yeah. in parentheses yes episodes perhaps. So that's for Ryan to figure out because of course next book is my choice. Yeah, you guys already know about I've that. Got, we've, I've got a we've plan. announced it. So, but uh, but yeah. So let's get into it. Let's let's get into it. Let's uh, let's talk about Craig Thompson. Uh, and. I mean, I kind of feel like we already know him just because we read the book, right? Like, we, it's sort of like a, it is a very, whole exposition I mean, it's, of his it's, childhood. It's autobi- autobiographical. Yeah. So, yeah, there is a lot that you, I guess, feel his kind of transition into adolescence and adulthood. Yeah. Stumbling over words, but... Yeah, so um, Craig was born uh, in uh, Traverse City, Michigan in 1975. He does have a younger brother, Phil. Um, and uh, they did grow up in Wisconsin as fundamentalist Christians. Uh, I mean, we could we could keep going on and on about his his childhood, but if you read this book, you know it. Uh, more impressive, he has a crap ton of awards for like comic related stuff. So I yeah. I know we always or I, I always try to like touch on you know people's achievements uh, because I th- I think it sort of grounds you in in somebody's like. Uh, Standing, I guess, in the larger world sure, of, within of their writing, sort of right? field. Yeah. Um, what's interesting is I've never heard of any of these awards until until I looked him up, um, and they're all sort of in that like comic vein. So, 
Uh, he's won um, a Harvey Award, uh, or I should say multiple uh, Harvey Awards, uh, multiple Eisner Awards um, for uh, Best Writer, Artist, uh, a bunch of stuff for, for this book. Um, and uh, he got a Rudolph Dirks Award, which is a great name because it makes me think of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Dirk Nowitzki. Which I'm sure God, has no relation. Dream whatsoever. combo, those two. Yeah. Imagine the, just the shots that he would hit with Rudolph, kind of pulling him through the yeah. the foggy night. The the, the, the fadeaway, the like step back. Yeah. Yeah. Just Deer undefendable. Leap. Just like Rudolph's ability to pull the sleigh on a foggy night. Just undefendable. You yeah. can't do. I mean, that's that's a terrible twosome right there. We're talking back to back to back to back to back championships easily. It's uh, it's it's crazy. And then um, so one of the other awards I didn't mention is this Ignatz Award. Um, and these are all kind of the, you know, sort of Pulitzer. Well, Pulitzer is a bit of a different level, but uh, like National Book Awards, basically for sure. for comics and stuff. So it's really cool. I mean, he is he's got a lot of stuff, especially for this book. And, you know, we'll, we'll probably talk about why that may be warranted as we go through the episode. So sure. you have a summary for or us? not warranted. Mm <clears throat> Um, can, can you draw us a picture summary? I feel like I need. Uh, uh, no. Okay. Uh, I mean, a brief summary of this book. It's sort of a journey through uh, Craig's life, I guess, sort of within his household that is ev- evangelical Christian sort of development over his adolescence experience with first love, his kind of struggles with his faith and just reality in general. I think it's a very uh, easy sort of story to connect to. I yeah. think there's there's a lot in there that's very you know easy to relate to and pull out. So. Yeah. So let's let's see. How do we want to start this off? I want to start by talking about just the graphic novel in in its sort of form as a as a book. Okay. Before we do that, though, yes. I just I'm I got to lay the groundwork here for the rest of this episode because okay. I'm just I'm going to go ahead and put this out there. Okay. This is the, my favorite thing that we've read on the on the podcast up until this point. What? Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. It's my, it's my favorite thing. Not for. You know, because up until this point, there were there were a few at the top, but Gentleman in Moscow has been my favorite. Yeah. And for different reasons, and, and we can get into that, I think this is just a very visceral read, and it's because of the nature of the graphic novel that sort of lends itself more of kind of a, an experience when you're reading it than some of the other things that we've read, because Gentleman in Moscow, I guess for comparison, incredibly awesome book to read, like just super fun to read. You're going through it in the story. And it it's just there's never a moment that you kind of like want to put it down. It's just it's a page turner. Right. Everything about it's written so well, the characters, the story. There's no real element that that took me out of the story. But it's just one of those with this one of those reads that it just is. It's it's crazy how quickly you get through it. It just feels as though it's kind of like time is slowing down and you're experiencing things yeah. in a very different way than I'm uh, used to reading because. I will say this. I'm not a very big graphic novel guy. Okay. Like, I have never been really... Like, I, I know you'd mentioned The Walking Dead, I think, a couple yeah. episodes ago. Yep. And I got a few of those early on, but it never really never really clicked with me. Never okay. really, like, took hold. Uh, Watchmen's another one that I've read. Yeah. Uh, what is it? Uh, Killing Joke. That's another one. Yeah. Um, like, they've been more in that traditional vein of comics. And so this was kind of the first one that was like, wow, okay, this really goes more into like a traditional novel or short story kind of space. And yeah, so I think yeah. that that combination of that storytelling with that visual element that that went along with it 
it just tapped into something with me that just made it such an enjoyable experience that, yeah, I just, yep. I got to get this out there. This was my favorite thing that we've done so far. Okay. So starting from that point, yeah. we can only go down from here, right? No, I'm, so. I'm, 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 ha- I'm happy that you had that reaction. I, I had a positive reaction to, to this book overall as well, or this novel. I just, I'm going to call it a book, even though sure. just have it. Uh, but yeah, so so you've read, um, have you read any graphic novel like in its entirety? Like this is kind of a standalone. Yeah, I've read, like I said, I've done Watchmen. Okay. I've done Killing Joke. They've all been, again, though, centered around more comic style. Okay. What was another one? There's another Batman one, the one where um, Bane breaks his back. Oh, yeah. I, um, I don't remember that I one. I can't remember the fucking name of that. But anyway, they've, yeah, okay. all my graphic novel experience in the past has been solely kind of like comic, very heavy, like superhero and or walking dead kind of sort of in that realm so yeah so i got my first experience with um with a graphic novel was was the walking dead because when that show came out like in whatever that was 2013 or something uh then it's like 2011 yeah yeah, okay so then um i started i started watching that and then you know they they do like the after show and they would talk about like the graphic novels and stuff Mm -hmm. and um, I'd never really gotten into that, like, sort of like comic book kind of realm of things. Sure. Like even when I was a kid, I, I never, never had any comics or well, anything, anything yeah. growing up. So like until, you know, some of our friends, um, you know, really in like college or even after college kind of got into that stuff. I never was really interested or exposed, but then I got r- really into the walking dead. And then I thought, well, it'd be kind of cool to like go back and like read the like source material. And so I started buying the compendiums. And now there are four, and, and yeah, the Walking the Dead is done. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like seriously half of a half of a bookshelf. Oh, I remember They're I had massive. the little the like little individual, not the the actual like the comics, but the little like volumes of yep. maybe ten yep. or so that kind of came sort of in the small book format. Yep. And then I think I don't know if you if if you read The Walking Dead, I think it's it's much smarter than not not that like you know your sort of traditional superhero comics or not smart, but they certainly like pander to a certain like sort of emotional thing. Like the walking dead explores, um, a lot of like sort of what ifs, like what if society collapsed, how would we behave? Like what is our like moral code that we're going to carry forward? How can we like remake society, uh, better than it was before, you know, Mm -hmm. what sort of things can we, can we learn from having the whole system just kind of wiped out? So the walking dead was, was really my like first foray into any of that sort of stuff. And then when I started doing the research for, um, my book, uh, somebody recommended mouse by art Spiegelman. And, um, that just like opened like my entire world up because I was like, holy crap, you can, mix like visual arts and um have these sort of like like he uses mice um to to represent um jewish people in in his book and uh or i'm sorry uh yeah mice mice for jewish people and then uh what are the i don't remember what the germans look like anyway uh, but it's like heavy subject matter mixed with these, you know, sort of like softer, you know, things. Yeah. Whereas like if you were just drawing like the Holocaust, you know, in real life, it would look the impact of that would be much different, right? Sure. Visually. So um so, so yeah, when I got to thinking about this, then I de- I decided, well, there's gotta be like another graphic novel like mouse out there. So I started looking and ran across this one and I thought, well, this this sounds interesting. Who doesn't like sort of a coming of age? Yeah. you know, kind of, kind of thing. Um, 
and man, yeah, I mean, this this blew me away. Even having you know gone through a few, I think, very high quality graphic novels yeah. in in the past. Um, but yeah, so it's it's a weird format, right? Because sure, um, you have the visual side of things, and you have to take that in. Well, yeah, there's. I mean, it's unlike. You know, unlike, I guess, in a traditional novel where all of your imagery, all of your storytelling is done through language. Right. And so, so much needs to be, I guess, refined or at least stylized or at least there's so much attention that has to be put to this language because this is the only way that you're conveying. Right. You kind of have these equal parts. And in my experience with the the few graphic novels that I've uh, read before this, I would say the ratio is like 80-20, right? 80% yeah. of it's visual, and that's how you convey a lot of your subtext. That's how you can convey a lot of things. And then 20% is more just sort of the the language in, in there is sort of complementary, right? Yeah. It's so that you're not just like, what's going on? What's going on? It, it, gives right. you, it gives you the information, and then the visuals serve to like kind of build on that foundation and just sort of pull it out and, and give you kind of the, the whole sort of wavering context of everything. And that, you know, is kind of what I expected going into this. I was like, okay, it's going to be a lot of visuals and it'll be interesting because I see, and maybe this is just, maybe this is me just selling a graphic novel artist short, but I, you know, I had always kind of pictured them as illustrators that kind of built a story around right. things that they were drawing and this book, I think, does a really good job of trying to pull um, pull that language a little bit closer to sort of an even split. Although, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, the the graphics and everything, like even just sort of the imagery within this book, it's so kind of like over, not overpowering, but it's just, it's so important to, I guess, the the actual taking in and enjoyment of the story that it still just kind of like dominates that. But yeah. it's it's closer than I would imagine. I would say it's like 60-40 for me that kind of the the story being told and the story being shown, the the sort of importance that they have within here. But yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess we can start with the, the, the graphics of it because I think at the heart of it, um, it seemed like Craig is an artist and illustrator that is using this medium to kind of like tell a story that's very personal right. and important to him. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, what I like about his, his visuals especially is that, um, he's really grounded in like whatever space his characters are in. Yeah. Um, which I, I think is really, is really interesting because like a comic, like, uh, like the walking dead will like have like big, you know, like obscure backgrounds sometimes. Sure. Um, or they'll just have like a rudimentary, like say a tree line or something. It's just an abstract and your yeah. foreground is just your characters. And that's right. where all your time and attention is being paid. But so much of, of what he does has an extraordinary amount of detail, you know, mm-hmm. to kind of, you know, just center center in a place. For example, uh, really early on when he was sitting with, uh, w- when Craig in the book was sitting with his parents in the living room, uh, his dad had a newspaper open. It said the Wausau Times, and my my grandparents on my dad's side uh, retired to Wausau, and I was like, yeah. "Holy shit, I know where this is." Yeah. Uh, so then, like you know, I kind of I get you get grounded in a specific place. Then I you know I'm thinking about all the trees out there and like you know just how cold and ridiculous the winters are. Um, but it's just like those little details, like all throughout, that mm-hmm. I thought were really really interesting. Yeah, I mean, even when we're talking about just kind of like when he's going back with Raina to to Michigan and mm-hmm. you see all this kind of like sites like back and forth and when they're out exploring and all that, it does a really good job of 
sort of creating the, I don't know, creating the environment that they're in because so much of what this story, like the, the cold, the winter, that, that sort of the elements, the harshness of the Midwest, some of that plays so much into even just like the character interactions. It's just, it's not just a place that they are. It's sort of this flowing, um, backdrop that leads to these these things and feelings that are happening in their life and it's yeah. as a reader you know especially in this medium where you get you know you get descriptions through words you get descriptions throughout the book but they're they're I wouldn't say minimal but they it's it's very much done in a way to let the the graphics and the illustrations do kind of the the bulk of the heavy lifting of, yeah. of showing you what's going on this was a very show and then tell kind of book, um, which is unusual. I mean, for us, yeah. it's, again, it's kind of that unusual uh, mindset to get into when you're reading, because I'm very much, I would say I'm very much a, a, a very active reader, especially when we're reading for the podcast. I'm sure. Just, whoosh, I'm locked in, unless it, unless it, you know, it loses me, like. Right, right. Unless it's just one of those things where you're just like, all right, counting pages so I can get through this and bash it on the podcast. Yeah. But, um, you know, I'm a very engaged reader. And pulling up on something like this that had such a slow pace with the with the language that you're just like, okay, I'm reading what's going on, but then I'm like going back and kind of like taking in, because that was kind of my first thought when I was going through is like, I'm reading each of the things and then we go back and kind of see the complimentary visuals. And then about yeah. halfway through the book, that completely changed for me. And I like so much of kind of like the story being told just sort of like, like faded out a little bit into the background. And yeah, so much of it was... You know, early on, I felt like um, you would basically get something every panel, yeah. or, or you would get a lot of description every panel, and then there were periods towards the, I would say, the back third of the book where we would just get blank panels. Yep, yep. And it's like you, at that point, you had been reading it so long that you were kind of conditioned and you just understood what was being conveyed through there. And that yeah. to me is incredible. If you if you're talking about sort of a medium for telling a story that mm -hmm. you can essentially flip. That throughout the you know five hundred or so pages, although it sounds it sounds crazy when I yeah. like looked at this book, I was like, oh my god, this is five hundred pages, and you're like, oh, it's a graphic novel. I'm yeah. flipping through like two know, pages. Yeah, at I'm minute. just flipping through pages like Even like nothing. Yeah, um, that it's just it it's it's crazy how kind of like quickly that sort of pattern develops in your mind with something like this, and I have to say that just. You know, you go back to when you're a kid and you had picture books, and those were more of a tool mm -hmm. to kind of. Um, cause I think when you're a kid, like visual, visual learning is, you know, kind of that cornerstone for how you sure. sort of combine things together and, and put two and two together to learn. And as you get older, I guess it's more of a, well, I don't need this. I can comprehend all these complex ideas and, and, and things through that. But sure. the reality is, is imagery is such a powerful tool for, um, just like correlation and for yeah. just having, having something be more of an experience than mm -hmm. kind of like a process. Yeah. That it's just I don't know, I don't know how I'm going to not like go out and just try to explore basically the full depth of of this sort of genre of graphic novels I can now because to me oh, it was wow. such it was such an enjoyable uh even aside from and we can get into the actual meat of the story. I know yeah, we're yeah, still yeah. talking about no, just no. kind of like the the structure of how the story was put together, but Yeah. It was just such a like relaxing and enjoyable experience to me that it's just it's a medium that I just I 
didn't think that I was going to enjoy as much as I did. And now it's just kind of like, man, I need to digest so many, I need to digest everything I can in this medium and, and see how deep this kind of rabbit hole goes. Yeah. I, I, I felt the same way after I, after I read mouse and, uh, it was, yeah, it was, it was really changing like my perspective on what a comic was, what a graphic novel, you know, is, and you know, that, that term is, is probably a little bit interchangeable in the sense that I think from what I've experienced is that most people who want to be taken seriously as like a subject matter tries to sort of push the graphic novel thing. Whereas your sort of typical serialized, uh, like sort of superhero type stuff tends to be like the comics as well as, you know, comic strips. And And I will say, I will say, you know, even the idea of the, the graphic novels as Mm -hmm. kind of a title, it's, uh, I have to admit, like whenever I those started becoming something in my periphery, I couldn't help but like roll my eyes. Yeah, because you, I don't know. Again, I think it's just that association with pictures being that sort of guiding force. It 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 feels childish, you know. You it, associate it, yes. it with all these other things, and so you kind of put the stigma to it. Right, right. But the reality is, until you kind of like actually go in and get something that tackles a subject matter like this, that's very relatable. It's obviously not, you know, it's not a very childish although you know he is a a kid but just when we're talking about the experiences and what's going on the subject matter is very adult it's told in a very compelling way and the associating sort of uh graphical experiential element to this book just kicks it up in a way that if this story was told strictly in traditional fiction it it, honestly i don't know how compelling it would be yeah it, it would be it would be a tough thing to convey even just from like a like a time period standpoint yeah right um and it's it's really difficult um one thing that that i wanted to sort of backtrack a little bit on okay is just like the um like the tactile like imagery and stuff that graphic novels offers right so like um movies you know, when you get into like production directing and stuff, um, it's really easy to like overlook some of the like tactile decisions that mm-hmm. directors make, you know, with with their actors uh, to bring about a certain thing. Some some movies, you know, might have a moment or something that just really stands out at you. And, and you know, you just think, wow, that's really well acted or, you know, I, I got this whole impression from the way that this actor just made his face look or her face look or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is. Um, but. I think watching a movie and and having that like uh, sense of awareness about like what every movement was you know supposed to convey would be really exhausting. But I think the difference with graphic novels is that you you get the same sort of um, sort of like imagery you know obviously visually, um, but every single pane you pay attention to mm-hmm. you get something out you know whether it's the the positioning of somebody's eyes right can convey you know sort of uh like they're just you're ignoring uh you know somebody you're uh, exasperated whatever um and so I, I think that's a really that's a really interesting um difference like just between different visual arts right like people people look at paintings and get a certain impression or something sure and that's that's a hard thing sometimes to like draw out whereas when you're looking at a graphic novel like it's very clear what's trying to be conveyed yeah there is i mean there are elements of subtlety within this book where we have a lot of we'll have a lot of like interspersing of textless plane or yeah. textless panes where we kind of get uh, especially a little bit later in the book too we'll get a lot of like jumping back and forth between things and yeah. it builds a lot upon kind of what you've already read but 
that is one of the nice things that it's kind of you, um, you know, there is that connection. There is kind of that uh, personal interpretation that you can take on things, but the visual side of it, everything is so, um, you know, it's kind of like exaggerated or mm-hmm. e- everything is sort of one way or the other. You you kind of have this exaggeration to where in your mind, it's not how you would actually experience an event. It's how you would perceive it in your mind, right? Because we're sure. very much, I feel, when things happen, you most people tend to have pretty um, powerful thoughts, mm-hmm. right? We don't, whenever something happens, we don't think like, wow, how mundane. You know, sometimes we do. Obviously sure, sure. mundane things we do, but... Even in the things we find mundane, I feel like within our thoughts and within our kind of like own visualizations of these things, we tend to pull things to like the extreme in order to kind of add a dose of of, of humor or of just a greater understanding or anything like that. And so with it being illustrated very much in that way where you have a lot of this sort of exaggerated bits or and especially with imagery and Christian imagery kind of compared to, you know, his his dealings with Raina. And it's yeah, it is. It's it makes for a it makes for a fun little. Uh, it makes for a fun little experience without that sort of like exhaustive um, examination of of like every little thing that's yeah. going on. It's yeah. like there is there is some subtlety, but the times when it's not and it just pulls out this like extremely just elaborate and extravagant uh, imagery. It makes for it just makes for like a fun read. Yeah, really. Even even things that are uh, difficult or at least. Uh, saddening or just in general kind of like not the most humorous or enjoyable elements in the story it does make for a very kind of like intimately um accessible read because it's like oh well you know when i'm thinking about when i'm thinking about bouts of my childhood or past experiences (laughs) or, or anything like that your years removed from those memories you tend to sort of embellish them or add these other things or add, you know, the way I was acting or the way I was feeling or something that this person, you know, you're telling a family story and it's like, well, grandma was doing this, you know, you kind of naturally your, your, your mind does that. And just sort of to have that within, you know, a work that you're reading, it's really fun. Yeah. It's really fun to take in. All right. So let's, I'm glad we had the discussion sort of about the forum because that's part of like what I'm going to try to do for the first you know few episodes of this year is we yeah. introduce different sort of mediums um, outside of maybe like a traditional like you know chapter book as it were. But I do want to get into to the actual subject matter that that he he approaches and there's you know a ton of things here. Obviously, there's religion. There is apparently some like pedophilia. That, yeah, there's but, there's that kind of like unspoken but like inter like interspersed sort of issues with uh, abuse yeah. at a younger age, like that kind of like power dynamic, and just we see sort of the you know his thoughts on kind of that childhood ideology and innocence sort of transitioning into that kind of like a weird ungainly adolescent form, and then yeah sort of the idea of well, you know, that kind of translating into adulthood too. That's yeah, that was a that was sort of an undercurrent throughout this whole thing that was just not it was it was never expounded upon within kind of the the realm of the story. It was just yeah. sort of in cells here and there to kind of like connect that sort of unsettling nature behind a lot of things happening. Yeah, so why do you why do you think he included that? Cuz I, I I'll tell you now, I struggled with why it was even necessary to to include that obviously it was it was a part of his childhood and was undoubtedly traumatic and sure. shaped him as as a person 
Um, but as a, as just a storyteller, um, I, I didn't really understand necessarily how it, uh, built Craig up in the story itself, right? Like as a sure as a person, because it, it never seemed to sort of come out in his character in any way, right? Like it wasn't at least not traditionally. Yeah. Like yeah. we don't really know the effects fully that it had on, I guess, his development and his thoughts, because you already kind of get a lot of and again, this is all to be fair, I'm taking it way, way back. Yeah. For talking about uh episode maybe four, I think, four or five okay. was it, where we did True Grit, where you have mm. a story being told um, about someone's youth from the older version of themselves. And yeah. so, you know, we have a lot of elements to the story, and it's, you know, our our author is giving it now kind of years removed, having all of this time to sort of um, reflect on events that have happened, analyze them, and perhaps you sort of change the way that things happen or at least kind of the mentality now that you have a little bit more of a understanding. Cause you know, at yeah. the time you maybe don't have that, you know, you don't grasp the things that are going on. You're very unsure about kind right. of what it is with yourself. So I don't know how much of that was, maybe it was just kind of like a cathartic thing or yeah. maybe it was just like, now that I'm removed from this, I have a deeper understanding of like why I felt like such an outcast and, you know, these sort of incidents perhaps sort of created that, that uncertainty about myself or that uncertainty about these things within my own sort of feelings. And it's not something that I directly want to just like lay bare and express, right, but right. it's something that I need to put in there so that unspokenly you can understand these like bouts of, of sort of tumultuous things within my life. Yeah. So. I mean, it, it was a little bit almost terrifying in the sense that, like, it was never addressed. And yeah. and maybe that's the intent, right? Is that he's just going to have this these little excerpts to say, like, you know, my parents didn't know or my friends didn't know. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, he and his brother never talked about it. Um, yeah. You know, so, but it was happening to both of them, mm -hmm. you know. So maybe that's that's the whole effect, right, is that here's this insane thing that happened to me you know growing up but i'm just i can't i never nobody ever knew so i can't like i can't bring it out in the retelling of these events yeah so it's not to get too far off this yeah. so we, we've got religion if we're talking about the different yeah. the different themes and imagery religion, religion i would say that whole like abuse as sort of a, a subtext and then you know really just the relationship first right? love first love just and, and I, to some extent, I guess, uh, well, I guess that falls under the umbrella of religion too, just sort of that tumultuous journey of doubt and sure, kind of the, I don't know, the, a lot of this is, is very, I don't know, it is very centered on religion. Yeah. Just, I was not, I was very surprised by that, honestly, like coming into the book, obviously yeah. it was not something that I thought was going to be there, but it wasn't, I, we'll just do religion. We'll, we'll, okay. we'll, we'll just jump into that. Yeah. Um, it definitely was, I mean, unquestionably a huge part of the book, but I don't think it was, it was overdone. I don't think that there was sort of a, you know, the problem sometimes when you see, um, religion playing a heavy part in books, you kind of have your biases, right? Like if your narrator is yeah. deeply atheist or agnostic, you'll see a lot of sort of like caricature of like mm -hmm. highly religious mm -hmm. figures. You didn't get that in this book. Like no. even even your like deeply religious people, 
Um, they were very much like they were they were they were not caricatures of themselves, right? right? They they kind of like communicated the things that they believed, and even Craig himself, you know, he was a very deeply religious person throughout, but he was also kind of like very analytical. Um, and so I think that as far as depictions of sort of like an evangelical community to someone who is kind of losing faith and not, I thought mm-hmm. this was one of the most honest and genuine depictions that I've seen of that within movies, within, yeah. you know, fiction, within any type of like creative medium. And I have to say that made for a very, um, that made for like another element of, of like complexity and enjoyment within yeah. this reading because you kind of, you do understand the that sort of nature on both sides and and kind of the struggles with um equating that to sort of the things that are going on in your life and how can how can how can this mean this when so much of my life is is uh, you know I'm dealing with these sorts of things like yeah. where where can I find where can I find comfort where can I find meaning for all of this like yep. how do I know yeah, and I, so I was. I, I finished this. I was sitting on the couch next to my wife, and uh, I, I basically said to her, like, the with the without the abuse part of this, like, you should just read this because this is like basically my high school years. Like, I, I imagine that. I cannot tell you how uncanny his upbringing and his like transition like was for me because I it was it was the same thing. I went to Christian schools from like eighth grade through uh, the beginning of high school yeah, and was super involved in church. Like even the, the middle of high school, we, I left Wisconsin and moved here mm-hmm. and was still super involved in church. I had a Christian band, like, you know, wanted to go to a Christian college to be a youth pastor. Like it was just, it was an insane level of like just similarity. Mm-hmm. Um, but all the while kind of felt a, a little bit uncomfortable about it all just from like a, like logical standpoint, right? Like I've always been somebody who's, who's read a pretty considerable amount. So, you know, even though I was brought up, you know, going to church every, every week and, you know, youth group, uh, you know, Wednesday nights and all of this kind of stuff, especially through my, you know, middle school and and high school years, um, the, the transition, uh, from away from that, like when I got to college and, and, you know, the thing that undid it for me was, was very similar to him. I took this, uh, uh, Bible is literature class mm-hmm. and all it was, was a like textual analysis of, um, the, of the book itself or the collection of books. And one of the, a lot of the discussions were, you know, things, uh, like, uh, you know, the Romans selecting, you know, what, what was going to be in, in the Bible. Um, and you know, just all of these different like logical fallacies and, uh, and some of the things that, that he pointed out were, were things that I picked up in that class. And that's where it all just sort of like clicked with me yeah. that like, all right, this, this is, this doesn't make sense. Like, well, you know, you can't, you can't look at something and say that it's a hundred percent right when it's so contradictory and it's collection is so, um, questionable right like you mm-hmm. can't say this is this is the word of an omniscient being if humans are are omitting and uh adding certain certain sure. things to it if it's like a over hundreds of thousands, well, yeah, I mean, thousands we get, of years we get basically really. the the footnote chapter is kind of him discussing the the last little bit that he had before he kind of broke from religion and i guess what was it the book of ecclesiastes yeah that he was talking about where it's like man just even within the language used and all these words, this had to have been like such a 
super distinct period of time that these were written to kind of to kind of I guess make it more pal like palatable for yeah. for people that are taking it in that that just seems odd that that would be something necessary for such kind of a you know a this is this is not a changing document this right. is this is sort of this is totality this is what it is and to see that it's something that had to be kind of like massaged and softened over the years yeah sure i can understand the, completely the that sort of like everything then kind of the foundation for what you believe then all of a sudden is kind of like knocked out from under you and it's like well what do we even how can I even take anything from this when it's all kind of built upon this idea? So right. I, you know, I, I was thinking that cause I know you had, we had talked previously a few times about kind of your, your experience growing up and with religion and kind of your, your leaving thereof, I guess I, you know, when I grew up, I had, there was, you know, I had religious elements in my family, like my yeah. grandparents and, and my dad and those, but I was never raised traditionally and like deeply, like we would go to church occasionally. I was, I was made aware of everything within Christianity. You know, my grandma would send me to like Christian summer camps and stuff yeah, like that. Sure. And it was always like, I was more interested in the blob and like, yeah. you know, and like the zip lines and stuff. But right. We would indulge in we would indulge in you know our little like Bible studies beforehand and after, um, but yeah, I mean, I guess I was you know I'm I am, I would say fortunate um, because I think across all, regardless of the religion, I think it's important to have an understanding of belief and an understanding Absolutely. of of religion and just because so much of, um, I guess human foundational kind of interaction with each other and human mm -hmm. communities so fundamentally are built at least i feel like when you go way back it's like so much of what made a community a community was their religion sure and then absolutely. from that obviously you have it's like oh well interests and nationalities and yep. language and all these other things that have stemmed off from that but the foundational at least seeming connecting uh connecting thing for communities outside of you know surviving uh, <laughs> surviving and bearing offspring yeah. was your belief system. And so right. to understand religion is to understand humanity, right? And to understand human beings. And I think it's very important um, that you have sort of a tangential awareness of this and that you right, kind of right. understand that. But I am thankful for the fact that I was always made to um, think for myself and right. not to necessarily, um, well, do it because, you know, it would that's sin if you do right, this or right. that and you know god wants this because i feel like those are very powerful and effective motivators for young for for kids and, yeah. and others because it's it's really hard to argue against an authority that high right right you, right are you questioning that you can't do that that's right. not allowed or you're gonna you know you'll go to hell or if you do this good you'll go to heaven like as a kid that's a really um you know, how can you argue against that? And right. how do you, right. how do you, you know, then deal with the ramifications of like doubting kind of what you're, what you're feeling and the things that you're going through and all of this when you have people that you um, put a lot of trust in or that yep. you're dependent upon that tell you these sort of like, like, uh, you know, definites, right? right? There's no, there's no kind of indefinite nature with it. And right. that's because they believe that. And um, so I'm thankful just, to have been brought up in a way where I was never really 
forced to to believe in those definites. Like I knew they existed and there were people within my kind of family and extended family that had those beliefs, but it was never something that like persisted within my home space. Yeah. So yeah. like I would get home and my mom my mom was religious, but she was very open minded. She didn't we we would go to church occasionally, but it mm-hmm. was never like every Sunday you have to go. Right, you have right. to go to Sunday school and you have to learn all this. And yep. You have to believe all this. And it was very much like she had her way of life, and I guess more so through the things that she did, through the person that she was, is kind of what illustrated to me, like, okay, this is how you act. This right, is right. why you should act this way. It's not necessarily because um, one thing or the other. It's because this is the example that was set forth by the person that I cared about the most. So, right. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, you know, it's sort of like a almost like the the Santa Claus is watching kind of uh yeah. kind of mentality when you're growing up right it's like when when those things are are so ingrained in you like they were in me um it creates an immense amount of guilt and i think yeah. you see that like in in Craig's interaction with with Raina like as they want to physically be together right yeah and they're sneaking back and forth to to bedrooms and and all of that kind of stuff and um I'm a little bit surprised that he sort of downplayed like the the guilt level because like as I was going through you know that sort of like exploration with some of my first girlfriends in high school or high school I guess early high school um there was there was always this like you know yeah I want to make out with you um but I would just feel horrendously guilty afterwards yeah um and to like navigate the the awkwardness of of like your first sort of physical reactions or interactions I should say in a relationship um and you know your your own sort of self-doubt and and uh you know <laughs> am I am I good at this or you know all those normal things that you go through when you're first in a relationship with somebody and then to have this like um this undercurrent of like you're not only should you like not be doing this like this could affect the rest of eternity for you yeah because you know you're you're violating you know these these rules yeah and uh i i like the part where where craig you know goes back to his room and he was like you know i should feel guilty but i don't and that was i think that's such a such an interesting moment because that's how i felt when i like it it finally clicked for me and i was like this isn't this isn't real like i can't i can't subscribe to this anymore Mm -hmm. i know it i've struggled with it for years and i've just pushed it off as you know these like well you just have to have faith and and all these kind of excuses that um you know were fed to me and that i i you know regurgitated to myself over the years when i made very logical you know assumptions or i should i should say uh observations about how people the world and uh and information works and uh I, I had that moment where I was like, I'm I'm breaking with every everything that I've ever been taught that yeah. you know my parents want for me. I should feel guilty, but I don't. And that like that struck such a chord with me. Uh, that just that one pain where he's just sitting on his bed, kind of smiling after after he got back into into the guest room. Um, but yeah, I there was just such a like a visceral like reimagining of like my like childhood like my my high school years yeah. even, even to a point my college years because honestly like it wasn't until I was in college where I, I really like f- 
you know, geographically, this is the point where like I can break from this stuff, mm-hmm. and like my mom's not going to know if I go to church or yeah. like you know that you're I'm, removed that I'm making, from it. Yeah, you, you now are in control of the of your I guess involvement. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's just some of that like topic is just is so heavy. But to your earlier point, like he does it with such honesty that you know there's there's no stereotypes. There's um there's no sort of like uh self-induced like uh dramatics with the relationship with Reina or any of this stuff that it's yeah. just I mean that's that's it just felt very real. And like even like even I guess just a small point of that, whenever uh he and Reina kind of have their first like real sort of raw interaction and they forget they oversleep the alarm and Reina's dad like kind of walks in on him mm-hmm. and you kind of like see that transition with him, you know, a guy who's deeply religious, he's trying to avoid a divorce because he doesn't believe in it because of his religion. I mean, like, like very much evangelical. Yep. yep. And then he kind of has that moment where he's like, he sees this and he knows it's wrong, but like he sees kind of like on Raina's face, like that she's, she has like a sense of relief and like, he knows like what she's been going through with the divorce and all this stuff. And then he's okay with it. It's like yeah. that sort of like genuine representation. It's not just, you know, it's not just characters of people. It's not just like right. televangelists that are like, right. you're going to hell if you do this or any type of reactions like that. And I genuinely appreciate that level of like realism and yeah. that level of like giving everybody kind of their fair shake in a sense right. that it's not so black and white, even though, you know, it's very easy depending on the side that you fall on when it comes to religious to just sort of paint the other side as a very one track minded, very, you know, even, you know, even throughout kind of like the those the the churchgoers that are talking to him and kind of like, hey, you know, we really think you should go into the ministry and yep. all these things. It's like they're not painted as these just like, you know, oh, these guys are just dumb and they're stupid. It's like they're like you genuinely get a feel. These people do genuinely care about him. Sure, they want sure. him to be well off and all these yeah. other things. And in their mind, they think this is, you know, we've seen all of these things and um, you know, that we view as, as negative things. I, you know, I guess to take the whole art school thing where it's like, well, he went to art school and then he became homosexual. It's like, oh, okay. Well, I understand, you know, there are people that genuinely feel that and you shouldn't be like applauding those people for thinking that way. But at the same time, the way that you're characterizing them in the story Mm -hmm. is genuine in a sense that they think, and they at least exhibit some degree of like genuinely caring for him and like wanting him to be well off. So I think as a whole, that has done more for allowing you to really kind of just sort of like put everything else aside and experience that kind of internal struggle and debate that yeah. I think everybody who has everybody who's been exposed deeply to religion and especially everyone who's been exposed and then broken from that has had all of those internal struggles sure, has had sure. all those communications with people and just to sort of display that visually display that through the means of language and just kind of through symbolics within the story. It makes for a really, if there's one thing that this story has going for it over everything else is that it is so deeply personal for him. And Mm -hmm. in, because of the, the subject matter that he's writing about, it is so, so easy to connect to that on a very individual level. And you start pulling out all these things. You're reading through this and you're feeling what's going on with him. And it's just so like all of your own emotions and past dealings with this sort of stuff just kind of like floods in. And it's just, it does such a good job of pulling that out of the reader um, through kind of the medium in this book that it just, it it really is, it really is spectacular in that way that it does such a good job of, of telling you 
an interesting, compelling story and pulling so much of your own kind of like related ideas and, and past and mentality out of you to, in a way, you kind of like feel like, you know, Craig is your proxy in some right, ways. Right. Like these experiences, like you relate to them so well uh, in a lot of ways. And um, yeah, I think that's just like, even just, you know, talking about the religious side of it, that's, that is such a huge, a huge, huge thing that this book has going yeah. for it. I mean, overall. And then, you know, just obviously the relationship stuff. I mean, sure. and, and there's any number of, of relationships, yeah. you know, you siblings and yeah. just uh, familial dealing with uh, kind of your first love and you mm-hmm. get sort of the, the, the idea of kind of like a struggling relationship there. You kind of get your blended family and it's just, it, yeah. I mean, I think the, obviously the most powerful of all the relationships would probably be between Craig and Raina because sure. that's what most of our time is spent on. But even Craig and Phil, like that, yeah, that to me in some related uh, bits because I didn't have. I mean, I have a younger brother, but right. he's seven years younger than me. He he lived with my dad, so it's not like we lived like year round. But right. I had a sister who was five years older than me, so you know, obviously not the same type of of like you know back and forth and banter. But you do you get a lot of that like remembrance of kind of that sort of close ties if you sure. if you have siblings that are kind of within that same age bracket, you know, I would say yeah. like two to five years. After that it it's a little bit too much. But yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of that in there too that that I kind of that I kind of felt with. And um I mean definitely the the whole adolescent, you know, experiencing sort of first love, that first I don't know, that first sort of overwhelming feelings that you have towards someone else that yeah. it's like you just you've never experienced this before it's such a powerful wave that it just like kind of like consumes your consciousness and it makes you you know think of all sorts of crazy different things that you'll do in yeah. your life and all these other things and it you know it only takes a while and perspective out you know outside of it you move on you grow in age you have vastly other experiences that yeah. You know, or within that same that you kind of look back and you still always sort of like remember how overwhelming and everything is and how kind of, um, yeah. And I, one of the illustrations he used where it was kind of, they were in the water and it's like underneath the water, they were kind of like just all over each other and just churning. And then on kind of the surface, it was like still and like the, yeah. the tides and the waves are kind of like driving apart. It's like, man, yeah. Yeah. Like I get that imagery so well. Um, I, again, I, I may sound like a broken record. I have nothing but just immensely, <laughs> immensely positive things to say about this book. And that's yeah. kind of concerning to me because normally I'm I'm kind of a realist and I like to throw in some yeah. negative things. And it's really tough because I loved this book so much. I, I do think there's there's a bit of a nostalgia factor too, right? Because uh-huh. like um I don't think that we've read any books that really dabble in the same like subject matter as far as like sort of revisiting like formative years in in this type of reflection. Well, the Sedaris book, kind of. Yeah. But, but the, his experiences were very... He had a lot of, like, unique... He, he focused on kind of the more weird, one-off, unique experiences that kind of, I guess, differentiated him right. from a lot of families. And even though there were... Even though there were kind of like shared experiences in there, like the the sea turtles story, for yeah. example, it's just like, I don't relate to this at all. This is crazy. But sure. this is just very much like... This is middle America, man. This yeah. is this is the Midwest. This is uh, like kids. This is this is so fundamentally relatable. Yeah, I mean, it's 
like I told my wife, like I said earlier, it this was exactly like my childhood. Yeah. Like it's so it's so bizarre to to go back and and revisit. Um. All right. We should uh we should probably get to this rating thing that we need to do. Is yeah. It, we got but, nothing else. I mean, I, I could talk about this for another hour. Yeah. But. And you know what was the you know what was the craziest thing? I think in combination with this book, despite the fact that again it's like five hundred pages and we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. it is a quick read. This might have been the quickest read. Oh, hundred percent. This is this is the quickest read. Longest and, book, quickest read. Uh, I don't know if it's the longest book by Page. Well, yeah, I think it maybe just edges out Savage yeah. Detectives, yeah. but. Yeah, that's that that makes for such a a weird combination because again, yep. you can go down. I mean, I I got the Kindle version of this book, um, and I'm like leaving after this to go get the actual <laughs> paperback for my half price books up the road because I want to read it again. I want to like be sitting bed and like yeah. have the pages and all that. And obviously, I'm going to give it to Sarah to read because yeah. like you have to read this. This is the favorite thing that we've read. It's she reads so quick anyway. I'm like, you'll read right. this in like an hour. You'll yeah. knock it out. And you could read it like four times over and get every little nuanced detail out of here in like two and a half hours. So yep. it is, it is, that is great. But yeah, let's get to, let's get to ratings. Let's get to it. Uh, my book. So I'll go first. Go for it. Top shelf. Yeah. It was, it was good. Whereabouts uh, on the top shelf? I, I don't know. It's I been mean, a, it's I, been a while I, since I think we've had both yeah. double top shelf books. So it's, I always have to inquire where it kind of sits in the grand scheme of books that you've rated? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's it's probably top five. Okay. Uh, well, definitely top five. I don't think it breaks the top three. Uh, cert- certainly doesn't uh, doesn't knock out yeah. Gentleman in Moscow for me. Okay. Uh, just because I, I think that's such a, a uh, honest-to-goodness masterpiece. Gentleman in Moscow really. is going on a year now of, of yeah. like, unchallenged for me. This <laughs> well, is the first one that honestly challenged it for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, top shelf, I'd, I'd put it top five, but I'm not going to gonna specifically slot it in there i'll just set it on top of my my current it's just in yeah. there somewhere yeah okay uh yeah it's gonna be a donate for me <laughs> uh i'm gonna donate it to myself yeah. to read again now this is top shelf for me um as much as it hurts i love gentlemen in moscow this is my favorite book that we've done so far so okay. this is this takes over my number one spot that had been held for basically a year yeah by gentlemen in moscow so sorry uh, Amor Tolls, maybe we'll have to read some more of his, uh, some more of his stuff. Yeah, later. rules of civility is on my radar. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean every everything that I've touched on, I think up until this point, conveys my feelings towards this. It's such a, it's such an easy read. It's such a powerful read. It's a medium that we haven't really explored before that I haven't personally really explored before, and it has kind of like ignited that uh, that sort of desire to look at more things within this uh, within this medium. It's you know I'm recommend it to anybody that has a few hours you know to kill yeah. it's it, it genuinely is in in uh, an enjoyable read an exciting book awesome book it's my top book that we've done so far on the show top that's, shelf my favorite one it's number one new number one spot that's awesome we're we're so. off to we're off to a really solid start yeah, so 2020 far this look at that i I've, i feel like i feel like 2019 was was a bit bit rough especially toward the end when it came to, to some of the books that we, that we read well, Just, we were taking we were taking some i i feel like um we have kind of ebbs and flows right yes. where We'll we'll have a several kind of like safe books, then we'll go, okay, let's let's, let's do some weird. let's do some weird things. Yeah. And that works and sometimes it doesn't. And I feel like, yeah, the last little bit of uh of twenty nineteen, we were we were definitely kind of like stepping out of comfort zone to yeah. try some to some new things. And some worked a lot better than others. Yep. Um, but yeah, this was this is a nice way to just like start off the year. Just such a good book, so enjoyable, just double top shelf. 
Yeah. Let's go. Make it easy. So maybe we keep that trend continuing. I, I hope that we do because you have the next selection, so you can't screw it up. Yeah, you're right. And we've announced it. This has been out for uh, a few weeks, but our next book that we're going to be doing is Nickel Boys by Colson Whitehead. Excellent. Uh, so it's been about a year, actually. It will have been about a year yeah. since we've read uh, Colson Whitehead. We did the Underground Railroad last February. Mm -hmm. And so coming back around to this year, relatively new book, bestseller, a lot of praise so far for it. So I'm excited. It's a writer that we both enjoyed uh, reading. So it's going to be nice. We come into it and just like, give me the story. Let's do it. Yeah. I don't have to worry about, uh, you know, structure and I don't have to worry about if this is going to be compelling. I know that, you know, there's some, there's some literary chops coming in here. So yeah, super excited about that one. That's going to be on our next episode. Yeah. And then episode 46 and then episode 47, I'm going to stick with my, my sort of different, uh, medium, uh, kind of theme that we've got going on, but I'm going to do something even more different because okay. I can't choose between two options. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to post on Twitter between um, this episode releasing and the uh, release of Nickel Boys uh -huh. uh, or somewhere about there, I guess, uh, to let everybody on Twitter vote for which one we should read for the episode. Okay. Never done a, a purely crowdsourced, yeah, kind of crowdsourced, yeah. So it's going to be a play. It's either going to be Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf or The Importance of Being Earnest. I, I think it's gonna it's gonna be an interesting discussion. Yeah, about, that'll like, be fun. How to how to read a play? You're shaking things yeah. up. Yeah, I'm. So it's gonna be. I'm. I'm still doing weird shit, but I'm trying to like pick good good, good weird, weird things. Shit. Yeah. yeah, good weird shit. If you want to vote on it, hit us up at Better Bookshelf. Um, if you must, you can email us at betterthebookshelf at gmail.com. Yeah. For but, our patrician non-Twitter fans out there. Well, I will say that the last few books that we've read, I've gotten a ton of feedback from our friend Andrew on uh, on some of the episodes really? that, that he's okay. listened to. Yep. Awesome. Uh, and well, email allows for a little bit more in-depth, I guess, just expounding unless you just want to create like a... 40 tweet chain or something yeah absolutely um so i do read emails or we do read emails whatever whatever they come across yeah. but twitter is the is the preferred method sure if you can swing it the so, quick hitters yeah so we've got nickel boys uh on episode 46 and then we have a play on episode 47 tbd so it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting that is exciting that is all that we have for this episode thank you for listening and until next time <laughs>